0: And Barnes hits it right
1: high! It's a Wednesday, April 19th on the Just Baseball Show. It is the mailbag where we answer all of your questions, whether that be from our Twitter at JustBB underscore media or our Instagram at Just Baseball Show. We do this every other Wednesday. Arm and I hop on the mic and answer all of your amazing questions that you left for us on those social media pages. Make sure if you want to be featured on the Just Baseball Show to leave your questions when we drop the little, uh, mailbag post it's kind of rudimentary but it works and we get hundreds of questions they're all awesome we wish we could get to all of them but we have seven we are going to do a little kind of look at the odds of bet mgm right because weirdly enough dude we're 10 percent through the season so far which is insane i feel like it just started eight minutes ago so we're going to look at some division odds see if there's any value answer some questions but first Hunter Green gets hit on the leg in a start against the Reds, or excuse me, for the Reds on a start against the Rays, and you know what the Reds do? You're fine. We're going to give you six years, fifty three million. What was your reaction arm to the extension? I think I think they just felt bad.
0: They had a, like a boo boo. They wanted to make him feel a little better. But now it's it's awesome. It, it is it's good when the notoriously cheap and frustrating teams extend their young stars. And while it's only two years on top of the years of control, so it'll be one more year of control and then a club option after that. So it buys the Reds two more years. It also gives Hunter Green some much needed you know, financial stability uh, just for, I think that all of these players need to have in the early going of their career, especially someone like Hunter Green that's dealt with some arm issues in the past. I think some people might look at the deal and say, oh, wow, that baseline is really cheap, but it has escalators that bring it up to 90 plus million. And I think it's a fair contract given his injury history when he's healthy. He's fantastic. He's been pretty healthy over the last couple of years. Overall, he's had just some small flare ups, but It's just good to see the Reds start to lock up the core because we've talked about their talent. They're getting there. Start to identify the pieces that are part of your future and lock those guys up. So that's exciting for Cincinnati. And hopefully Reds fans have something to be happy about.
1: And I hope they lock up Nick Lodolo, even though as we're speaking right now, six earned runs against the Rays. It's all right. The Rays are crazy. Yes, he just gave up six earned against the Rays. And we're like in the third inning. So that could be a tough start. But he's a guy you have to lock down. Graham Ashcraft is a guy you have to lock down. One more good news, and then we're going to get to two things that are rather shitty, to be honest yeah. with you. So, the first one, well, we already talked about Hunter Green, the second one, Mason Miller of the Oakland A's the sun is shining in the Bay area for once because Miller is a freak and the A's just vaulted him up because he already looks like a big leaguer.
0: Yes. And and he was a guest on the call up. I I highly encourage anyone to to go listen to that podcast. That was before the season Miller has one of the coolest stories, which is going to be featured on just baseball.com actually right now, by the time you're listening to this the feature story I wrote in my conversation with Mason Miller is up and he didn't find out. I won't bore you with all of it. Cause we got a lot to talk about here, but he didn't find out that he was a type one diabetic until his sophomore summer at division three Waynesburg. He had a seven ERA through his first two years of division one baseball was down 30 pounds and was like, what the heck is going on? I don't feel good. I don't feel right. And it wasn't until he had an internship with a, a health office somewhere where he had to provide a urine sample where they were like, Hey, do you know that you're diabetic? And he's like, What? So that's how he found out, treated that. And then all of a sudden starts throwing upper 90s. So it's an awesome story. But now you're seeing him at the big or at the minor league level professionally. He looks insane. I talked to a couple guys that faced him recently in AAA who said, best fastball I've ever seen. And they told me that a couple big leaguers on that team that are now down in AAA said, it was the best fastball they've seen, and they were playing in the big leagues not long ago. So that says a lot about Mason Miller, more on him in that story. But if you have some free time tonight as you're listening to this episode, mark your calendar, your schedule. Watch that A's game. I don't know. He might He might have some growing pains in his first start, but he's 102 with life,
1: uh, and that's fun to watch No matter no matter how well he pitches. And we do this a lot. Right. And we got a uh, comment on Twitter when we started the mailbag where you guys and when I see you guys, I mean, us three, you, Jack and I, um, we talk about prospects. You know, we glow about them, right? Like they're next up that we take them over the vet. And in some cases, and you laid it out in the comment, like some cases, we truly do think that the prospect is better right now. Than the veteran, right? Yes. Matt Mervis with the Chicago Cubs, even though Hosmer's having a pretty good start. You gave other examples too. But I think this is the best example yeah. of when a prospect is legit going to be better than the rest of yes. the rotation when we're looking at James Caprillian, Chitaro Fujinami, who did kind of pitch well against the Mets out of nowhere, JP Sears, who also pitched pretty well against the Mets. And then you got other arms like Ken Waldachuk, and we can go through the line. But this guy, Mason Miller, might be the best pitcher on the Oakland A's staff right now, right? Which is awesome, and that's why I'm glad they're calling him up.
0: 28 game or twenty eight innings in the minor leagues plus the Arizona Fall League. Not a lot of, of action, but I don't think you need to see much more. It's 100 to 102. Uh, it's it's a plus breaking ball. He added a cutter at 95, which he actually said on the call-up. That was like his kind of announcement of the pitch. He's like, yeah, I've been playing around with this cutter. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Tell me about this cutter. So he starts talking about the cutter and he's like, yeah, it's 95. Like, I I think it can make me special. And I'm like, well, it's making him special. (laughs) He looks really good. And then he's got the feel for the change up. It's about the health for him. Um, His shoulder. He had a little bit of a shoulder strain last year that cut his his season short. But if he's healthy, my goodness,
1: he could be special. And I'm glad that the A's are being aggressive with him. Speaking about health, two bad things in the American League East. Number one, Jeffrey Springs, Tommy John will be out for the season. We actually, not like we broke the news, but I heard the news when I was streaming on Twitch on our um, Not Gambling Advice show, 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Monday through Friday. And we hear in the chat, Jeffrey Springs, TJ, Jeffrey Springs, TJ, what happened to Jeffrey Springs? And I look, MLB trade rumors, Jeffrey Springs out for the year, will get Tommy John surgery, which I had an immediate reaction of, that stinks. Like that is a killer because this guy, by a lot of metrics, was one of the best pitchers in baseball. That's a cool story. The Rays don't just extend anyone, no. right? And they extended Jeffrey Springs before this season began. And he showed why the Rays loved him so much. Electric left-hander. There was times where I was watching some Jeffrey Springs starts and I was like, wow, Shane McLennan's the second best lefty on his own. <laughs> even though he's one of the best lefties in baseball. That's how well Jeffrey Springs was pitching. So unfortunately, Tommy John for him. And then Giancarlo Stanton. It's a tale as old as time, unfortunately. Six weeks, grade two hamstring strain. And six weeks, yeah, right. It's going to be eight. Like he'll be back in the middle of June. You know, I'm on the phone with my dad, a huge Yankee fan. And he's like, when do you think Stanton's going to come back? And I'm like, who cares? October. That's all we need him for. Like, and he was surprised, right? My dad was surprised. And I'm like, how can you be surprised at this point with a guy like Stanton? Every year it's continuous. It's just, when is it going to happen? It's unfortunate. He's a great talent, but like, this is kind of the story of his career at this point. It's just, he plays really well bang he's out and then it's rehabbing and then we're back right there was
0: some years with the Marlins through his prime where he was in the middle of some awesome campaigns and a uh, Marlins team that like desperately needed him he was MVP with the Marlins and uh when they were hanging around the wild card he'd go down and then the team would kind of just fall apart and it, it sucks because if he's been on the field as much as some of the other guys you know over the last 10 years he'd be pushing towards a lot of really exciting milestones. And he still has a shot to crack those milestones. But I agree with you. Like the hamstring, that that lingers, especially for a guy like Stanton. And I think he's almost just too much of a beast. Like he's too muscular and just too strong where his muscles just go from time to time, which sucks. On the spring point i'm very happy that he got his bag before this year um that part is at least a nice silver lining and it is at least just tommy john which is just to me it seems like more Crazy. just like this it's like this paid vacation now where it's just
1: like, tommy john that's yeah. what we've gone to as it's a really you know, at a that experience. point it's not that really, bad anymore i mean you're out for the season it's
0: just it's a duration it. it's it's how yeah. long it takes that sucks but in terms of like if you told me you know shoulder strain like two shoulder strains that come up in the same year or Tommy John I think I'd rather have the Tommy John cuz the shoulder strains don't seem to go away and it usually is points towards something else Tommy John a lot of times these guys take care of it and then they're good to go it almost seems like a foregone conclusion for most pitchers a lot of them get it out of the way earlier And again, I hope humans like evolve to not need UCLs anymore, but wishing Jeffrey Springs a speedy recovery and the Rays. The good news for them is next man up. They'll bring somebody else back from the IL like a glass now. Uh, And then I think we'll see a lot more Taj Bradley who pitches tonight as we're recording this.
1: And we're speaking about the Rays. So that leads us into our first question of the mailbag. Uh, the current Rays infield is solid with Yanni Diaz, Brandon Lau, Juan Franco, and Isak Paredes. With Taylor Walls as the third middle infielder who is already doing well. Off like N- Nick Lodolo, kind of a lefty killer. With Curtis Mead, Manzardo, I don't even know who this is. You correct me, Basabe. Yeah, oh, Slevis
0: Basabe,
1: who I actually love.
0: That was the guy that we we hyped up a lot on the on the Rays uh, prospect rankings. But yeah,
1: Basabe is an infielder as well. Perfect. And so the question is, what is the infield like looking like in August? If everyone is healthy, that comes from us from at Todd Bernius B-E-R-N-I-U-S on our Instagram. So Arm, this is a perfect question for you. I mean, with the way the Rays are playing as good as these young guys are, it would be nice to see Curtis Mead, Manzardo and Basabe. But at the end of the day, like, who are you taking out of that, that infield? That's the thing, man. Um,
0: Menzardo is is off to a phenomenal start, but I think he's somebody that has a little bit more time. Uh, Mead is actually off to a slow start, so that helps a little bit in terms of the log jam. And then Basabe is awesome. Really, really good bat-to-ball guy. He's a plus hitter, a potentially plus-plus hitter, and he's actually hitting the ball harder than people expected, but I still think of him as like this second base or infield utility type. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I don't think we're going to see any of those guys until somebody gets hurt. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, I think if somebody gets hurt, then we'd see probably uh, one of those guys. I guess it depends on on who gets hurt because I think they're all pretty equally ready. I'd say Basabe might be the most ready given his bat to ball skills and versatility. But like you said, Peter, who are you booting? Even Isak Paredes has been swinging it well. Um I don't, I don't really know who you would remove from this lineup. And Taylor Wallace just took Nicodolo Dolo deep. Uh, and I think he just picked up like a double the next at bat. Like if Wallace is swinging a two with his defensive ability, like who are you bumping? Uh, I'm very interested to see what they do. I'm actually floored by what Taylor Walls' numbers are actually entering today. I don't think you do anything. I think it's similar to the Orioles situation that we're going to talk about. Like you, you kind of just
1: sit on them. Potentially a trade, right? You can potentially look at one, maybe get some outfield help. Like Randy has got it locked up, but then you have Josh Lowe and Manny Margot. And it's not like they need help there, but potentially could a Brian Reynolds trade be in the cards? It never happens with the Rays. It's so out of the ordinary for them. I'm just thinking of ways to be creative here because they have such a glut of incredible. Players. Again, everyone on their major league roster is incredible. They're just an incredible team. So I guess let's just move on to our second question. And it's a good one out of the surprise teams that have started hot. And the three listed were the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Chicago Cubs. Which team do you think can have the most sustained long-term success? That was asked by at Riley underscore M-C-E-L-W-A-I-N-2 on Instagram. That's a really good question. The crazy thing is, I don't know if there's a wrong answer here, Um, but all are off to great starts. The Cubs are near the top of the division. If it weren't for the Brewers being 12 and 5, one of baseball's best records, the D backs look like they have an outside shot at making the playoffs. That's how good they've been. And then you have the Cubs who just continue to win games, go into Los Angeles. Great series against them. These are three teams that are. Massively overperforming expectations. I would say the Pirates have overperformed the most, yeah. even though I think the Cubs and the D backs are playing better baseball. But we thought the Pirates might be bottom dwellers and they're anything from it. So who's your choice, I guess? Because there really is no wrong answer. It's more of a thought exercise.
0: Yeah, I would say let's walk through this together because I want to see what where, where you're at. Um, D backs was a team I have a little bias towards just leading into this because that was a team I liked better going into the season. So there's going to be some confirmation bias on that performance. The Cubs, the thing with them is we didn't really account for Cody Bellinger looking like this. Yes, it's only a dozen games, but if Cody Bellinger is swinging it like this, then the Cubs look a lot different. Then you're going to swap out Eric Hosmer, who's probably been now after the the good five games to start to slow down. Like You swap that out for one of the best offensive prospects right now in baseball and Matt Mervis. That helps bolster your offense. They're going to get Seiya Suzuki, you know, really rolling again for them and just got him back in the lineup. Like this team is going to get better. I, the pitching is a little bit of a concern. We'll see how that holds up. But they've got Dansby Swanson. They've spent money. They've got a little bit more star power on that team. The D backs are younger and more volatile, but also I think are more balanced across the board, if that makes sense. Like you're leaning on performances from guys that are less established, but guys I believe in. So, I'm gonna say D backs. Wouldn't surprise me if it's the Cubs, but I'm gonna say D backs because they're doing this right now with like mad bum mad bum pitching. You swap him out for Brandon Fott. Uh, I think Corbin Carroll is gonna be one of those guys who just gets stronger as the year gets goes on and gets better and better. Um, Longo looks good. I like the whole team. And that's without Moreno really getting going. I think a lot of the pitching staff's still gonna get better and better. Bullpen's a concern, but I think a bullpen's concern for almost any of these
1: middling teams. And Andrew Chafin has been that dude in the yeah. back end of the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. And a guy who I think is becoming maybe one of the most underrated players in all of baseball, that's Josh Rojas. A guy who can play all over the field and is a really good hitter. He is just like he's one of those guys who, you know, kind of doesn't get talked about because we talk about all these young, exciting guys on the Diamondbacks. And it's like him leading the way consistently guy like Lordy Scurriel jr, Christian Walker, Ketel Marte, they have a lot of good players. And then the emergence of Dre Jameson is another arm. You know, Ryan Nelson is a good arm. Then you have Zach Allen who can lead any staff in major league baseball with his stuff. We saw him dominate the Miami Marlins. We're <laughs> going to talk about that trade in a little while. They are the most exciting team. And I think one aspect Um, of the Diamondbacks that, again, goes a little bit underreported, is that I think they are one of the teams that benefits the most from these new rules, right? They're a scrappy team that likes to put the ball on the ground, and that helps with no shift. Bigger bases, you know, the pickoff rules. They're stealing bases like nobody's business. This is a fast, exciting team. And they play really good defense too. Like we talk about Alec Thomas in center field, Corbin Carroll in a corner when he could be an elite center fielder. You know, Geraldo Perdomo is not the best, you know, hitter, but he can pick it at short. And that's the reason why he's in the Bigs. Christian Walker, Gold Glover, Josh Roas can play all over the infield. Cattell Marte, and then Gabby Moreno. Like this team is set up perfectly for this new age of baseball. And we're gushing over the Dimebacks shouldn't take away from the Pirates or the Cubs either. No. Like all three of these teams. That's why it's such a good question. And there is no wrong answer is because they're all set up really nicely. So the Cubs are out overperforming and this isn't even the Cubs window yet. They have all these great prospects that you and Jack talk about at nauseum. How about the Pirates? They're going to get Dylan Cruz. O'Neal Cruz isn't even playing in their winning games. Yeah. Like all three of these teams. If you are a fan, I would be very excited right now. Like this is a great question.
0: Yeah, 100%. And real quick, just to highlight the, the Pirates, I mean, to get what they're getting from McCutcheon, I hope he does it as long as possible because it's so awesome to see him performing in a Pirates uniform, but – you know, just to see what Brian Reynolds is doing. I know he's come down to earth a little bit, but that's been really solid. And,
1: I mean, he I came about, down from, earth from hitting a home run every
0: single day. Yeah, bat. from literally every yeah, single bat. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love G1 Bay. I think he's going to continue to get going offensively, but they've got a lot of pieces that I think are contributing and, and can serve their role pretty well. And I think the pitching sold out better than people thought. I do think they're going to slow down a little bit, but um, yeah, I think the final answer is D-backs, but all these teams I think are going to be much more watchable than a lot of people might have expected, especially many of their cynical fans,
1: specifically on the Pirates side. This is a perfect question for you, and we are going back to the Rays, but this question isn't about the Rays. So question number three, if the Rays are the model for developing pitching, which teams do you consider the leaders in hitting development? What a fascinating question, because while the Rays are the leaders, you'd say, but like the Dodgers are pretty damn good at it. In terms of developing pitching, the Guardians are pretty damn good at it. The Mariners, right, bringing up George Kirby, right? They got Bryce Miller coming in the minor leagues. Like Emerson Hancock looks good. There are a lot of teams at the forefront of this, and I'm sure there are a lot of teams at the forefront of offense for you. Yeah, that's a great question, and and there's
0: a lot that goes into it because I think it's 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 measurable by how many guys did you draft or trade for in the minor leagues, and then of course develop into big league pieces but also it's just kind of looking at it anecdotally from player to player and saying like, okay, they took this guy that was struggling and, and really helped him kick it into another gear, or this guy was pretty good. And now he's just hit another stride. And then there's also like the question of, is it scouting or development? Cause some teams are really good at both. Some teams may, might be better than at one than the other. And you don't know because the other kind of masks masks the other. Uh, but I, I think the Astros have to be up there um, and, and, I might put the Astros at number one just because of the fact that you look at their roster top to bottom right now and you look at their team, a lot of those guys are homegrown. And then even guys that they didn't specifically sign, they developed. Nobody thought Jordan Alvarez was going to was going to be what he is. And then look at what he developed into. They traded for him at the lower levels. Uh, Yeah, Bregman was a top pick, but. He's hit his ceiling. Jeremy Pena was a development masterclass from what they've had there. Uh, You you look at Kyle Tucker who hit some snags at points. People were wondering whether he was going to hit his ceiling. He does. And then you've got the tweener types like a uh, Chaz McCormick who gets better and better and better and turns into a really solid option for them. Uh, So for me, it's got to be guys like that. Because then you even get the role players like David Hensley who turn into valuable or at least somewhat productive, that's for them. Um, I'd say that the Astros are right there. The Cardinals are in the same boat. When well, you get the Lars Newt bars of the world, the Tyler O'Neal's who you trade for and then unlock more out of him. Um, and then a lot of the other guys we could talk about, obviously Jordan Walker's development. You see yeah. other guys that are really doing well, uh, but I think the Astros have to be the gold standard. I also think the Yankees don't get enough praise. They do a really good job. Of getting the most out of their of their bats, especially guys that have come through the minor leagues. Anthony Volpe, one of the best examples, but even Jason Dominguez, the changes he's made, the improvements he's made, Oswald Peraza, and then guys at the big league level, Aaron Judge. Hello, that's not a guy that like just rolled they out of bed and hit. Them. That took and some he work. Looked like
1: at the end of the first round out of Fresno State, and like, he looked terrible. Like his swing. If you, I saw some video on the Cape. I was like, jeez.
0: Would not have taken this guy. So, you know, I think the Yankees are a dark horse in that
1: as well. And then, of course, the Dodgers. Of course, because the Dodgers are just the answer kind of for everything about the gold standard. And then how about just another guy with the Yankees? Spencer Jones is a guy who's flying up prospect lists. And he was a guy who I was like, oh, wait, we're taking him in the first round. And I was like, well, he might have gotten number one overall if we redid that draft based on how good (laughs) he's been. Um, So question number four. Cardinals fans are pissed and I understand. And this next question is the Cardinals pitching seems to be getting worse. That's just, that's the start of the question. Good thing we have grandpa Wayno making his rehab start. They need to be 83 and 65 for the rest of the season to get to 90 wins. Oh do they do it or are they throwing out another year of really nice offense? This was asked by Seth Partney on Twitter.
0: You, before,
1: we're talking you about say the Cornels at nauseam dude
0: before you say anything you know fan bases in shambles when they're yeah. doing the math of what they need to do to get to 90 wins that will always make you feel like shit as a fan I promise we're 10% into the season like Peter said off the cuff no matter what If you do the math to how you get to 90 wins after a slow start, you're going to make yourself miserable. Don't do that. And also, they can very easily go 83 and 65. But anyway, Peter, the floor is yours.
1: I mean, the question at hand is what do they do, right? Like the question at hand is more, do we think they have it in the tank? And Cardinals fans are looking for some optimism. And I can be optimistic about Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty looked good last start. His command hasn't been there, but guess what? He's fixing it and he's getting better. And this is a guy who we can't forget in 2019 was one of the better pitchers in the National League. And it's not like he looks unhealthy. Yeah, he had some command issues early on, but he's got this new fastball that looks really good. His slider looks sharp. Breaking stuff looks good. They got Libby. Coming up from the pipe, and like we'll see, could be another rookie who ends up not being what we might think. But you and Jack have talked about the. Jack's be- calling a game. Pick. Jack's calling a game with him on the mound right now, as we, as we record. Amazing. So we'll have you know a recap of how that went, and we'll talk to Jack because I know Cardinals fans are looking for pitchers. And what I do know is if you are a team in need of pitching. The Cardinals are in the best spot to make a big-time trade. They have so many young hitting prospects. Now, we've talked about this at Nauseam because they just ain't doing it, right? They did trade Harrison Bader for Jordan Montgomery, so it's not like they're – you know, allergic to doing stuff like that. They brought in Jose Quintana. They just haven't brought in the all-time ace that Cardinals fans are looking for, that they want to hang their hat on and say every fifth day we can give this guy a ball and we should win the game. And that's what you need as a World Series contender is that type of starter. Now, you know... Could they make a deal with the Marlins for Sandy? Of course, they p- might be able to, but we're grasping at straws with that one. It's yeah, it's, it's really good. tough. We have to wait for the season to continue to unfold to really see who could be available. Because the Marlins are playing good baseball right now. Why yeah. would you want to trade Sandy if you're competing, right? Like, you're not going to get Gallen from the Arizona Diamondbacks. You're not going to get like Degrom from the Rangers. Like, I mean, it's it's tough right now. We could come up with random options just to get people excited, but we have to wait. But Flaherty looks good. Wayno's going to come back. Then you have Libby. It's not like Monty's pitching bad, and like Michael's can't be any worse, right? Michael's legit can't be worse. My thing too is is what if they took a
0: Twins type approach? You're not going to be able to go get an ace. Go get a, a like a couple threes. I think Jaymont's pretty much a three. You went out and got him. Uh, Quintana, once he comes, you know, once he gets going, like. That that was a guy that I liked that pickup. Is that a three? I don't know. But now, now that they subtract him right now, they're looking at what they have here. I, I feel like you're not going to get an ace. You're not going to be able to get that front line guy. any of the aforementioned guys that you just listed. Maybe you just go for a few threes and build that rotation of threes. I think Jack Flaherty at his peak. You know, what he's looking like now could be a solid three. Jaymont could be a solid three. Um, Wayno is probably a yeah, depth arm, but shows flashes of being a solid middle rotation arm. Um, uh, go like, don't you think they're kicking themselves right now for not getting Pablo? Like, oh, Pablo yeah. Lopez, they could have done Tyler O'Neill plus a prospect or two and and got and got Pablo
1: Lopez. I feel like they have they to be kicking have done themselves Dylan Carlson. They could have yeah. done Dylan Carlson in pieces like not that long ago, and they yeah. decided. No, we need a a seventh outfielder. We need him. We're not going to go get Pablo Lopez. But with this said, and this is why, on lives, in my comments, I'm sure in yours DMs, Cardinals fans are freaking out. And I know. But if you're going to be a team loaded with threes, the Cardinals, if you look at the rest of the team. Yeah. It's the perfect team to have a bunch of threes. You have an unbelievable offense. You have an unbelievable defense. You have a very solid bullpen. So all you really need is guys like Quintana. Now you're not going to get him anymore because he's on the Mets. But guys like that, they will open up in the trade market. Even a guy like Herman Marquez from the Rockies, like maybe could you get him? He turns into some sort of three-four. That's another arm that you could go get, like. We're gonna keep talking about this. This is, I feel like, one of the big stories in Major League Baseball right now is that there's such a difference right now in talent. Like you look at the offense and you look at the starting staff, but it's so early, so it's like, what? You want me to freak out with you, Cardinal Yeah. Fans? So
0: here, here's the thing, and, and and it's frustrating because of how good they are, position player wise, and because the clock's ticking. You're not gonna, uh, you know, Nolan Arenado's not getting any younger. Neither is Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, so I, I get it from that perspective. But they've got a lot of time to figure stuff out. One Libertor could come up and be a legit, legit starter. Obviously, that's a tall ask, but it's possible. If that's clear, that that's not going to happen. He struggles when you when you call him up, and you know Michaelis doesn't get any better. You're not getting anything from Matt. Like I think you got to wait. Finally, get all of those answers being the worst case scenario, and then from there you panic and you go, you know, pay dollar twenty on the dollar like that's what they'll end up having to do i I, my question to wrap up on this is do you give up a a, a big prospect package or do you just trade tyler o'neill plus a a prospect or two if there's a team that's looking to do that kind of deal because i feel like o'neill it seems like he's probably going to be somebody that's going to be the odd man out ultimately he's got one more year of control after this year i think this is kind of the perfect time to trade him um especially with the little spat we had recently Uh, But I I don't know. I just get the sense that his days might be numbered. Carlson has more control. They don't like trading prospects. Maybe you trade an O'Neal and a prospect or two for a team that, you know, wants a player that can add to their lineup. That might be an interesting way to upgrade. Um, But yeah, that's not going to get you an ace, but it could get you a middle rotation arm.
1: Two reasons I love that option from you. One, if you trade Tyler O'Neal, you can get a good starter from a contender right a contender that has a bulk of pitching that needs offense they're not trading for that high a 19 year old with upside right you're getting tyler o'neill he could help right now like kind of that luis arias trade for pablo lopez kind of in that same breath where you get a pablo back and you give up a major leaguer both teams want to contend they don't want prospects. So that for Tyler Neal. Second reason the contract thing is big, right? Because he only has one year, more year of control. So unless you're going to give him a big extension, which you see all the different guys on offense that the Cardinals have, are you going to give them a big time deal? Might as well cash in on that. So I think this is a perfect time to transition to a segment sponsored by BetMGM. Remember, use the King of Sportsbooks, BetMGM, in our episode description. There's a code, JBFANS. That's J-B-F-A-N-S. You wager $10 for all new users on BetMGM, you get $100 instantly. No brainer, right? I say this on my TikTok all the time. Always take the free money that the books are giving you. Yeah. Even if it's are not much of a better, it's fun to throw $1, $2 bets when you have some free money to play along with. So download, download, BetMGM, the King of Sportsbooks. The link is in our episode description. Use code JBFANS. And the reason I really want to go to this now is I want to look at the National League Central odds to win the division because the Brewers are 12-5, and five, the Cardinals haven't gone off to the best start in the world, and the Brewers are minus 130 to win the division now. They are the favorites. Cardinals are plus 160. Cubs are plus 750. Whoa. Talking about all this, I was thinking about making a move on the Cardinals at this point. Now, my gambling brain says you knew that was a trap line at the beginning of the year where they gave us minus 115 for the Cardinals. You know, what a steal. But now at this point, it's like. Do I go back in on the Cardinals? That's excellent value for them, at least in my opinion, considering the line move. And it's like an overreaction to the Brewers doing so well. Brandon Woodruff you know, on the IL for an extended period of time. Yeah. Corbin Burns isn't pitching his best either. Like maybe the Cardinals at plus 160 is a decent bet. You bet 10, you win 16. You bet 100, you win 160. Like that's good value on the Cardinals.
0: Well, and a team that we talked about how they're they're going to be patient and probably not rush anything. They have a get out of jail free card with a litany of, of minor league talent if they want to push the chips forward. And of course, even excess outfielders at the big league level, when you have teams that have resources like that, that are in win now mode, I'm always a little bit more confident laying some money on them. So I didn't like them at that minus anything to win the division. But now at that value, I, I, if you're getting free credits, like I'm going to bet on the best franchise and still the most talented team with that free credit to to throw on there that I think that's a hundred percent worth like a, a unit splash and you get to root for a good team to turn it around, it's a long season. Well, and if they get hot, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I'm a little, we, Jack and I just talked about, it. we're a little worried about what the Woodruff injury means. It could be out for basically majority of the season. He said himself he's not going to rush back. And, you know, the Cubs, I, they look good. I think they're going to hang around, you know, 500 and be a competitive team and, and exceed expectations, but you know, that's not going to be what wins the division. So it's really Cardinals versus Brewers. And you're hoping the Brewers can hold on, uh, given their ace struggling, having a lot of issues before the year with the team. And then their number two now being out for a long time. No Ashby, a lot of other moving parts.
1: I I I really like that value there. And I'm not saying it's crazy, but there is value on the Cubs here. I mean, the Cubs are playing good baseball considering they're plus 750. If we talk about the Brewers' issues, Let's say the Cardinals don't solve these issues and the pitching does go down the drain. I don't think it's going to happen. But maybe considering that they're plus 750, I also think that's somewhat worthy of a sprinkle. Do I think it's going to happen? No. But sometimes I I gave out to my subscribers bears to win the division in the NFL. (laughs) Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. But the fact is that they were the farthest down. They have the most cap space. They have the number or they trade the number one overall pick. They have a ton that they can do. And the Jaguars went from worst to first two, right? So it's a value play. And plus 750, I just think that's too high for the Cubs considering problems within the other team. One more race that I want to talk about with you, Arm, is this American League East because there's a cluster at the top. And I'm curious as we sit here today, Which team you like because the Rays are plus 130, the Yankees are plus 180, and the Blue Jays are plus 275. I'm jumping for joy. I got the Rays at plus 350 to win the division. So I'm feeling good right now. But at the same time, like you never know, right? The Rays are super talented. Anything could happen. It's so early. But I'm thinking about jumping back in with the Blue Jays at plus 275. I mean, like that is just. I mean, is that line telling us something? That's why I think, that one seems almost too good to be true. I think that one's too good
0: to be true. I was going to say I'm almost looking at the Yankees because mm. I, I'm getting the Yankees at that plus line there at this point. They haven't had their team fully healthy at all. Mm. Um, they've still looked fine. Volpe's just getting going. Uh, Judge looks like he's going to be something close to what he was last year. Yes, Stanton's hurt. But at the end of the day, that's a DH that, you know, was not a game changer for you in the regular season. He was in the in the postseason. Um, and I think, you know, we we're going to wait and see on Rodon, who now has a little back thing. and But the pitching's only going to get stronger. They're only going to get more and more guys back. I don't hate the value there. I'm worried about the Jays pitching. We've seen the Manoa regression looking pretty real now. Gosman got knocked around the other day. I don't think that's going to be a huge issue. But then you got Barrios. We've talked about Bassett. I think I like your Yankees at that value there, man.
1: Yeah, I think if you're going to make it, a plus 180 plus 180, I think if you're going to make a move, it has to be on the Yankees. One more thing about the Carlos Rodon back thing. It's funny because he's on the IL for an arm thing. It's yeah. a, in a back thing. And it, at the beginning, you know, it was like he slept on it wrong, or at least that was a report I heard. And I was like, Oh, that doesn't matter. And then, then in that spring training start Boone came out and Boone's like normally a really positive guy. He did not sound happy. Like it was like, what is happening yeah. to our guy who we just signed to this enormous contract? It was an arm thing. Arm felt good. He's making a rehab start. Now it's a back thing. Like, well, come on.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, I don't blame Boone. It's like, what's going on everyone we sign everyone we trade for you know we talk about the litany of bullpen guys get going down then Stan goes down then Rodon goes down And then Boone suffers the blame when the Yankees aren't at their peak come playoff time. Like Yankee fans totally forget. I mean, probably not Yankee fans, but I think the greater good of baseball fans like DJ LeMahieu wasn't in the playoffs last year. Like they had a lot of injuries to that team and then they got swept by the Astros and everybody's calling for Boone's job. Like it's a lot of pressure on manager Aaron Boone. If none of the players that Brian Cashman got for you are playing. And
0: I think he's going to get guys back slowly, but surely. And I think that helps. I totally agree with you. My favorite pick to end this segment here is I think it's the Minnesota Twins to win the division. I know the value is not insane.
1: I think that's it's minus- my only thing. The value, it's like minus now. And they're like, they're doing well. Like, this is what I looked at. I was like, well, the Rays are plus 130 and the Twins are minus 115. I'm like, minus 115. Because also, two days ago, they were plus 115. Guardians just lost a doubleheader and now they're minus 115. Like, that's such an overreaction. I agree. I just, I really, I,
0: feel agree with you. I really feel good about this pitching staff. I, and I, that was the big question. Then they're only going to get better offensively. They're getting Royce Lewis back. They're getting some other guys back in the coming months. um They haven't had Jorge Polanco at all so far this season. um I mean, Pablo looks like a dude. Joe Ryan, you just talked about stock up on that TikTok video you did. Trying so to break it down. He looks awesome.
1: <laughs> um, what was that? No, I'm just saying I love Joe Ryan. No, like, I he's awesome.
0: He's awesome. And then like. Tyler Miley's your four. Uh Myana oh. looks pretty damn good as a five. And then they've got Ober and all this depth. I'm going to probably take it. Like I'm probably going to sprinkle more. Because the White Sox <laughs> you can eliminate. I think mean, you can eliminate the White Sox. It's really just Twins versus Guardians. And the Guardians lost McKenzie Offense looks a little bit shaky to start the year. I kind of like the Twins at that at even minus 115. I wouldn't take it any later than that, though, or any, any, you know, um
1: worse than that in terms of the value. So I have a future on the guardians to win the division at plus plus one twenty five, And I was thinking, because I do think it's going to be down to the wire in this division with these two teams. Cause I love them both. I'm almost thinking what I kind of want to do is wait for the twins to go on like a three game losing streak. Like right now they're losing against Boston. It's one zero in the second, but these lines just switch all the time. So I'm like, I might just grab both at plus money. And like, no matter what, like I'm going to win money because if you bet a plus and then another plus at the same unit, yeah like you're gonna make profit, So that's kind of what I'm thinking about. And I'll be sending those to my subscribers when I do so. I'm not totally sure yet. I wanna kind of wait, cause it's so early. But again, use the King of Sportsbooks. All these lines are available. So if you're hearing lines that you wanna take, you can get some free money by using code JBFans. Let's get back to the mailbag questions. Uh, another really good one, and this one I grabbed because I was like, I just want to ask Arum about this one. I think we all agree that both teams benefited from the Gallon Jazz Chisholm trade. That was Zach Gallon for Jazz Chisholm, but on a neutral franchise, which player would you rather have? That was asked by at Nats eventually, which is a great. <laughs> it is a great their name, Nats. Yeah, eventually, I agree. Eventually, um, that was him on Twitter. Go over the trade, kind of what happened, and then we'll answer who we'd rather have.
0: Yeah. So I mean, so Zach Gallen originally came over in that package with Sandy Alcantara, uh, Magners Sierra, and Dan Castano for Marcelo Zuna from the Cardinals. Uh, that's a rare occasion of the Cardinals giving up a lot there, and and I don't think they thought Sandy would become Sandy, and definitely didn't think Gallen would become Gallen. He was a pitchability over stuff guy. Something just really clicked with Gallen. Um, the story was that he got stung by a B <laughs> and like, that was his joke. And he saw his Velo tick up in spring training. So they called him B man. Like it, it just something happened there. And he saw this uptick and in his first handful of starts at the Marlins, he was unbelievable. I think the Marlins thought like, okay, maybe this isn't sustainable. Uh, let, we'll have a ton of pitching. Let's cash this in. So they trade him for jazz Chisholm, who at the time was you know, kind of struggling a little bit in double a, but showing big power and, and stealing bags and looked really, really dynamic. And so they they kind of make that trade um, and, and jazz eventually makes his way up. Gallon obviously does what he has been doing for the Arizona diamondbacks. And I think both teams are are happy. I think for the Marlins perspective, it's we're, we're talking neutral franchise. So we we got to remove this aspect of it, but the Marlins have their most marketable player in a long time. And that goes a long way for that franchise beyond what we see on the field from a pure baseball perspective. You have to look at it this way, right? We We wouldn't be putting him in center. That's first of all. So if I'm if I'm another if I'm a neutral franchise that just acquired Jazz Chisholm for Zach
1: Gallon. I'm not, not
0: putting, putting him in center. center
1: fucking field. He's a dude. second baseman.
0: <laughs> he's a second baseman. Maybe I try him at short even, but I'm probably playing him at second. So that's what I, I he's an all-star second baseman. Yes, he That's is. number one. So that's number one. The second thing is how sold are you on this Zach Gowan? Because now this is. This, he's following up what was a breakout breakout year last year. I know he showed flashes of being fantastic. There's been some concerns about his elbow and, and health, but he went 184 innings last year to two, five, four. Realistically, that is probably more valuable. If he sustains that to start this year, he's been pretty damn good. Um, I think you got to kind of ignore the slow start from jazz. He's already heating up. I think he's had a great game as we're recording. This had a great game the day before that. I think he's going to be something between what we saw in the first half last year and, and obviously what we're seeing right now, which is, you know, well above average regular borderline all star 25 years old, power hitting shortstop second base, really second baseman that can go 2020. I think I'd rather have gallon though. Like that's just the reality of it.
1: At the end of the day, and I, I'm going to simplify this down and, you know, we can, you know, go over the margins and see truly, you know, age contract, all that kind of stuff. Starting pitching wins championships. Yeah. I'll say that till the day yeah. I die. When I bet on an individual game, what do you look at first? The starting pitcher. It matters so much in Major League Baseball. The starting pitcher, I think, is the most valuable asset in all of baseball. You could argue that the shortstop or the catcher might be maybe this gold glove center fielder. It's the starter. Like, even if Jazz was. I don't know like let's talk about some major league baseball players who like position players who you'd rather have over a guy like zach allen you know i think of who on the cardinals where you know we keep bringing them up who on the cardinals would you take over zach allen right like Leonardo, uh
0: goldie i mean th- but I see what you're saying. Like, would you I would rather what have Tommy Edmond or Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen. Yeah. And I mean, even looking at the second base position as a whole, like the whole league, would you rather have? There's a few guys. Obviously, I'd rather have Altuve. Obviously, I I'd would've. rather have. A would few you rather guys. have Altuve than Gallen? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Andre Jimenez. I'd rather have Andre Jimenez, I think. Would you? A six war position player? Yeah. Jeff McNeil. I'd rather, I'd rather have, have Gallen than McNeil. Jeff McNeil plays every day. Like I, I do think nah, that pitching super valuable, but I think that's where I draw the line pretty much though.
1: Yeah. Like, and Marcus it's not on maybe. jazz. It's Marcus, not on jazz.
0: Yeah. It's really, it's nothing on jazz, but it's, it's second baseman. If we go shortstop, I could list you a, a ton of shortstops
1: I'd rather have, but it's second base. Maybe I'm so like, I love pitching so much that I'm like, I don't know if I'd rather have Andres Jimenez than gallon. Like, I think if you have an, if you have a guy who looks like an ace and it's not even that he looks like he's pitching like an ace Pitched like an ace last year and is already off to a good start. Had a rough go in the first couple of starts because his VLO was down, then it ticked up and now he just looks unbelievable. He looks unhittable like against the Marlins offense. Like we joke about the Marlins offense. They've been great this year. Like, yeah, I, Very good I, think, I think
0: it's more my concern about like the sustainability of Zach Gallon. That's fair.
1: That's fair. I'm more it's, thinking about starting pitchers as a whole and not looking oh, at Oh, I Zach. mean if he's
0: a, if it's a true true ace, uh, fuck Andre Semenes. But yeah. uh, like how how sure are you that Zach Allen's gonna continue this? He's a really interesting case. Yeah, like, he he, is. he he when his command like his command is really impressive, and that's what, what's really kind of helped him here. But I don't know, like you talked about the up being down, it's a little sporadic. He's he's a little bit of that like makes me nervous with the arm kind of guy. It's a tough one. Regardless, the answer is I would rather have gallon than jazz because you could trade gallon for more than jazz. I think um, at this point, especially with, with, with the control and, and where he's at. So while both teams did well, I don't think the Marlins would undo it because of what jazz means to their franchise now in terms of just having a bat that they can't mess up and having the marketability there neutral franchise (laughs) give me zach gallon right like give me the frontline guy even if he's closer to a two or three that's still extremely valuable to your point i'd rather have gallon
1: the way you talk about the marlins is going to make me laugh for the rest of my life like a bat they can't mess up like that is just going to make me laugh forever (laughs) um how about a bat that at least this person thinks his own team is messing up (laughs) question number six Spencer Torkelson is off to a really bad start for the Detroit Tigers. His on-base percentage is barely over 200. Are we out on him officially? Is he maybe a change of scenery guy? Not ruling out Detroit's development being a big part of the problem. Asked by Matt Alec Gold on Twitter. I'll let you start on this one. What do you think?
0: (laughs) How old is he? 23, 24? 24. 23 years,
1: seven months, 23 days. How can I give up on a guy like that? Who at Arizona state, I thought was a freaking missile. This guy was one of the best college hitters ever in the last half decade. I mean, it was just every single day. Like we talk about Dylan Cruz, right? We talk about Tommy tanks at LSU, just more LSU guys. Jack Caglione with Florida, you know, Wyatt Langford, um, You know, the kid at UNC, I don't know why I'm forgetting his name right now. Uh, Who's the kid at UNC?
0: Honey, is it? uh, Yeah,
1: Vance Honeycutt. Yeah, I don't know how I forgot his name because he's a freak in nature. But these guys are all great college players. Like that guy, like Dylan Cruz, who's the can't miss guy, that was Torque at ASU. Yeah. Just like it didn't matter if he could never play a position because he's going to hit 40 bombs. Yeah. I just think it's, he's off to a slow start. And I know it's crazy. Like Jeremy Pena is two years older than him. Right? <laughs> it took him a little while. He might just be a little bit of a late bloomer. Um, he broke Barry Bonds freshman home run record at Arizona state with 25. I just, uh, you know, it's so hard to say. Be, and, but the thing is, what's so tough about this question and why I know he's asking it is because it's been horrible. It's, been it's not just been ups and downs. There have been no ups. It's just been a steady bad batch of baseball from Spencer Torkelson and you could say all right year 1 throw it out the window. It hasn't gotten good this year and he's not really doing much anyway. So it's it's a really tough question because there's a part of me that says oh don't worry about it at all. But I've watched Tigers games cuz I freaking bet on them all the time. I even tweeted out I'm drunk on Tigers money line. Yeah. It doesn't look good arm. It does not
0: look good. It's I I do wonder too how much being a young power hitter and being thrusted into Comerica Park, where your power goes to die, how much that pressure kind of mounts on you as a young hitter. Um, you know, we kind of saw it with Riley Green in the early going, who also was his can't miss of a bat. He looks really he's starting to get better and, and get rolling here too, and Homer today.
1: Kind of, was hitting like two fifty. I feel like he grounds out every
0: bat. That's but the frustrating, frustrating part too. He's starting
1: to get going, yes. But
0: that was like a can't miss bat as well. So the two can't-miss bats are missing right now. Like That's scary. I do think America like has that mental uh, impact on some young hitters, especially power guys. But what stands out to me, especially this year, is how aggressive Spencer Torkelson has been. 34% chase rate. Small sample, but it's early. 53% swing rate is way too high. Um, way he's too just high. trying to do too much. He's, yeah. he's walked once because he's swinging at everything. And like that's not how Spencer Torkelson was successful. That's not how he got to where he is. He walked, he was patient, he crushed mistakes, and he's just a good, well-rounded hitter. That's not who we're seeing. So I I do feel like he, he is encroaching on the change of scenery candidate area. I still don't think like if Jared Kelnick could figure it out, which it looks like he is, Spencer Torkelson can figure it out. But it is getting a little bit alarming here when you have a guy that's swinging right now at 62 percent of fastballs, 62 percent of fastballs he's swinging at. That tells me either one, he's just trying to do too much, which is, I think, part of the answer Two, he doesn't want anything to do with breaking balls. So every fastball he sees, he's he's swinging. He's like, I'm jumping on this one. So he just doesn't seem to feel right. Um, and the Tigers' development is is among the worst. They have a new guy at the helm here, and Scott Harris, who I do believe in. And I think you're seeing the difference, but I don't know if that's kind of made its way to Torque yet. It's also a team that is had seems like it has some issues in the in the clubhouse. I mean, we saw AJ Hinch just come out and hang out the vets to dry, hang out everybody to dry, and sometimes that stuff's contagious. Um, I'm not I'm not saying Torque's cooked, but I, I am starting to wonder if it's going to happen in Detroit.
1: That's fair. Will it happen in Detroit? But Tigers fans, I can't give up on him. I just can't. He is—he was too special in college. He was such a good talent. Like, I don't He's know. Been good in the minor it. leagues. He, I mean, he, he had a nine thirty-five, nine
0: thirty-five OPS, and 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 between high A, double A, AA, and triple A in twenty twenty-one.
1: I'm so glad you brought up Kelnick because we're seeing what Kelnick can do. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Spencer Torkeson was a better offensive prospect than he was. Yeah, I
0: mean, out of hundred percent, I mean, people would have and until Kellenic was at the very, very end, and even then, I still think, I still think people would have said Torque's a safer, safer offensive prospect.
1: There you go. So we aren't giving up hope yet. No,
0: breathe, is- breathe. It's yeah. gonna be okay. Uh, it's yeah. fourteen games. It's a slow start to this year. Uh,
1: it's cold. I think we'll be fine. It's cold. It is cold. And he's a, he's a warm weather guy. Yeah. Our last question. Um, and it was so funny. We had seven Oreos questions <laughs> and they were all surrounding the same thing. Uh, so I apologize. We didn't credit you, but there was so many that I'm just like, all right, let's just tackle this. Yeah. You, you put dash everyone. <laughs> yeah. Dash everyone because it was the teams that asked the most questions Cardinals, and Orioles and Orioles almost doubled the Cardinals and the Cardinals tripled every other team. So tons of Orioles questions. Basically, this is what it is. What do they do with the litany of infield prospects and which pitcher should they get?
0: Okay. So let me start with, I think this is the, 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 the beginning. This is the first domino and I'll start with the yeah. question back to you. Are you buying what Jorge Mateo is selling? I know you guys talked about it the other episode. Are you buying it? Because that, that's the first step of this entire thing that we have to go through here.
1: Like kind of like, yeah. like he's so dynamic because even if he's not hitting, it's not like, oh, he's a whole shortstop or he's not running. He's a demon on the base pass. I use that with Jack, that word. It's like there are a couple of demons. He's going to steal 50 video. bags this year. He's going to steal and 50 bags. And he's great defensively. So even if he doesn't hit, he provides value yep. and he's hitting. Yeah. And he looks good, and it's not like this guy came out of nowhere. He was a good prospect, and he's really developing. It, this is an incredibly tough situation, but it's a good situation to be in oh, if you're an yeah, Orioles. Trouble fan. in
0: paradise for yeah,
1: trouble, for trouble in paradise. paradise. And then of course, Adam Frazier's just getting abs. And you know, an Orioles fan put a curse on me when Adam Frazier was doing well. He was like, "If you don't give Adam Frazier his praise." we're putting the Adam Frazier curse on you. I was afraid I'm going to start losing bets. They put a curse on me arm. Cause I wouldn't apologize crazy. for Adam Frazier. That's
0: pretty funny. <laughs> um, I mean, dude, so Mateo full win already a 1.0 f four through 14 games. Um, you mentioned the defense, his strikeout rates down 10% to start the year. And, and look, I, I don't know if that part's sustainable, but I do think that the, the swing rate being down is a legitimate alteration in his approach, him realizing, okay, I need to stop swinging at everything. Um, and I can still be that get-on-base guy, and he, and he is, and he's really been setting the table and making a difference. He's going to steal 50 bags, and he's going to play elite defense at short. You're not moving that guy from shortstop unless he hits a damn wall. So what do you do with the other guys? You've got Joey Ortiz, who's elite defensively as well, a really good bat-to-ball guy in A, very impressive prospect. You've got Connor Norby, who's limited to second base more so, but hit 27 homers last year, absolutely rakes. Then you got Jordan Westberg, who could play all over, fast, above average power, average or better hitter. All those guys rake and are really interesting. The question is, do you want to move those guys? Because at the end of the day, like they've they've tried Westberg a little bit in the outfield; he could potentially play left. Um, I don't know what they can do with Norby and, and and Ortiz. A lot of Ortiz's value comes from short. I know they like Ortiz more than than Westberg, from what I understand. You could get a lot of players with those pack with with those prospects. You could get a lot, but do you trade just to trade? No. Uh, what pitchers are going to be available that have a ton of control that make it worth it? I don't know either. Like that's the interesting part. Like the Orioles, you don't want to just give up an an asset. I know it's a surplus, but it's a valuable asset just to do it but how long can you sit on those guys? Because uh, several of them are going to be kind of bored in the minor leagues at a certain point, Uh, specifically Joey Ortiz, as he continues to get going here, like that guy's going to be ready to go, but uh, I can see them just stashing them in triple all year.
1: There is one name who I keep thinking about. Shane Bieber available. I bet they're trying to win. They're trying to win the division. I know they're trying to win the division, but they're also the guardians, right? And the guardians have been prone to make, no, they haven't been prone to, I guess, make big moves. They also have a billion
0: like infield prospects, too.
1: Yeah, they do. Maybe that's a bad, bad idea. I'm just thinking about four aces. Like, I'm grasping at straws here. I'm trying to make some sort of mock trade. Like, who, who's a great pitcher? Who's worthy of all of these incredible infield prospects? Because it's like, yeah, you could trade, like, a Jordan Westberg and get a three and, like, I don't know how much that helps. I'm I'm thinking about like a game changing. I would trade. Who would it so, be? So I'm just like, yeah, you could tear down Shane Bieber, and you're probably right. But it's like, then who? I guess. So I got a team for you.
0: The San Francisco Giants needed. Mm. If they didn't extend Logan Webb, that would have been the perfect, perfect example. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. The thing is, is they need a shortstop in the worst way. They're moving their third base prospect right now to shortstop in Casey Schmidt like Logan Webb would have been the perfect perfect example but now he's he's not available most likely I, I don't know if there's anything out there for them for those guys like that's the problem so what do you do and and that's the most fascinating aspect of it i don't i don't know if it's a prospect for prospect deal that they could eventually make i don't know if it's it's something else but it seems like right now the only way that they're going to be able to upgrade the pitching is through short rentals. And you're not trading any of those guys for short rentals. So I know it's a common question, but that's kind of part of the reason why we haven't really seen anything happen. Pablo, again, Pablo Lopez was the guy to go try to do it for, but the Marlins wanted big league talent. So that wasn't going to line up. Um, and I don't know if there's really any other teams, maybe the Braves, like maybe you could work out a deal if the Braves feel better about, you know, what they've got going on pitching wise, maybe a Bryce Elder for one of those guys, uh, maybe.
1: Where do you put him? You got Vaughn Grissom and Ozzy Albies and Austin Riley and uh, Matt Olson. Here was my thinking. This won't happen, but we're just talking. What would it take for Kyle Harrison from the Giants? What would it take for Max Meyer from the Marlins, right? Teams with Meyer, teams I prospects think that- who need offense, like prospect for prospect deals. Again, it won't happen. I don't know why it doesn't. Like teams with should happen more prospects in one position, With other teams that have a ton of prospects, and that like make a deal help both sides. So I'm just I'm spitballing here. That's the best scenario I think is to do a prospect for
0: prospect deal. The problem is, I know more about my prospect. You know more about your prospect, and we're always going to be wary about swapping them. Why does he want to trade me his prospect?
1: That's why it doesn't happen. It's a great. So that's
0: why. But there could be a scenario where that does happen. Uh, I would do like a Max Meyer for Connor Norby in in two seconds, I would do Max Meyer for Jordan Westbrook in two seconds. i would do Max Meyer for, for any of those guys in two seconds. And I think there's teams out there with some pitching talent that would consider doing that. Uh, Kyle Harrison's off to a bit of a slow start. Maybe the giants consider it. Um, That might be the best way to do it for, for the Orioles is prospect for prospects. And I've, I've read about teams considering that through the off season, nothing materialized, with some other teams that were considering prospect for prospect. but I think the Orioles might be the team that's willing
1: to do that and I think it would be a really smart thing to do where they're at in the rebuild. And that'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. That was the mailbag, all of the questions. Uh we talked about division odds again. We are sponsored by the King of Sportsbooks and Bet MGM. Use code JBfans. You wager $10 on any MLB game and you get $100 in bonus bets. Cardinals fans Think about plus 160 Blue <laughs> Jays fans. If you think we're nuts and you think the Rays and the Yankees suck, put your money where your mouth is. Let's see, plus 275. You got all the value. Get after it. Twins, Guardians, and of course, all the other divisions. The best way to support this podcast is to get yourself some Just Baseball merch that is in the episode description. And if you don't want to spend a dime, you don't want to gamble, no worries at all. If you could just rate this podcast five stars. Um, on Spotify our podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, hit the comment button on anything that we talked about. Let us know and hit that subscribe button or anything else before we say goodbye.
0: That's it. Uh, definitely look out for that Mason Miller feature piece. I think you guys will enjoy that. But other than that, I'm I'm good.
1: And with that, thank you, everybody.